Hello, everyone. I'm Patty Murphy. Thank you for listening. The On SI podcast is brought to you by Tom and Suzanne Crimmins, the owners of Tom Crimmins Realty. With their help, we're able to continue to share local Staten Island stories from Tottenville to Tompkinsville and everywhere in between. Tom Crimmins Realty is an independent, family-run business that knows how important it is to foster strong, community-minded neighborhoods. To that end, if you have a positive story you would like us to share, let our team know about it. Email us at stories at onsi.nyc. Now, on with this month's show. Straight ahead on this July 2021 edition of On SI. Since the start of summer, Staten Islanders are enjoying long-awaited signs of normalcy, returning to local neighborhoods as COVID-19 restrictions are eased. This month, a highlight was the 111th annual Travis 4th of July parade, stepping off on Victory Boulevard in a sea of red, white, and blue. The Gerard Carter Center in Stapleton is thriving once again as it offers in-person recreational and educational programs that were sorely missed during the pandemic. And this episode's Local Hero of the Month is a lifelong resident of Rosebank who's making a difference by promoting and supporting youth volunteerism for more than three decades. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Patty Murphy. We begin this month in Travis, where thousands of spectators enjoyed the return of the long-standing 4th of July parade. That tops our new island-hopping segment, On SI's Take of Noteworthy, Local, and Positive Things You Need to Know This Month. On SI's Joe Malvasio shares more. The Travis section of Staten Island is known as one of the borough's most patriotic neighborhoods. That's due in part to its annual 4th of July parade. Last year, in-person festivities were minimized by the pandemic, but 2021 saw the parade return to full strength, with marchers streaming down Victory Boulevard for the 111th annual celebration. The 2021 Grand Marshal was Joan Guerra, a local resident who's been a staple of the parade committee for years. The Baby Bombers gut-punched the borough when the New York Yankee affiliate decided to close up shop at the Richmond County Bank Ballpark in 2020. Now there's plans to bring a new minor league team to St. George for the 2022 season. The deal was celebrated by the mayor, borough president, and the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Renovations including new seating and concourse upgrades are planned. No word yet on the new club's name. If you were in South Beach on July 18th, you probably heard the loud rumble of motorcycles making their way up Father Capadano Boulevard. The 12th annual ride drew dozens of participants to honor the memory of NYPD detective Russell Temeshenko, a Tottenville High School graduate who died in the line of duty in 2007. Speaking at the event for his family, Detective Temeshenko's mother said the tribute, quote, lights up our lives. The event was organized in part by Joseph Imperatrice of Great Kills on SI's Local Hero of the Month in June. Michael Constantino, the principal of St. Peter's Boys High School, is back home resting after a scary weeks-long battle with COVID-19 that nearly took his life. 
Principal Constantino was released from Richmond University Medical Center on July 21st to the thunderous applause of friends, families, and students from the school. Doctors at the hospital said the 35-year-old father of four was one of the most serious cases they treated. The principal is expected back in the office as soon as possible. Opened in 2011, the Gerard Carter Center offers numerous services for children, young adults, and seniors in the surrounding area. Like many Staten Island community spaces, it's finally thriving again as in-person programs have returned this summer. I recently caught up with Ranti Angulea, the center's director, to chat about what the past year has been like and what's next for the fun-filled facility. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Welcome to the On SI podcast. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. So to start off, can you share with our listeners how summer camp is going and as well as all of the other great and free summer program activities that are underway at the Gerard Carter Center? Summer camp is going well. Summer camp is, is exciting. This is actually my fourth summer camp at the helm, um, being the program director at the Gerard Carter Center. You know, our typical work, we work primarily with uh, kindergarten to 12th graders, um, specifically in this community of Stapleton. Our methodology is rooted in inquiry-based learning, and our, our the Carter Center is pretty much we're dedicated to, like, trying to foster realistic and hands-on approaches to educational experiences. So our summer program is infused with academics, it's fused with activism, it's fused with um, learning about themselves and what what does it mean, your identity. It's fused with uh, just being a youth, having fun and being silly and running around. Um, And I think this is why our our Carter Center really thrives tremendously. And then we have really... uh, I would say a technology component um, being um, after COVID and I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into that. Mm-hmm. We really understood that, you know, our, there was a, there was a technology gap with our young people and they needed to know more about how to uh, work, work online and interface. And, and we had to become more creative. And I think that really gave us a, a different component um, than just traditional um, summer, uh, summer camp, right. Which is, outdoors, having fun, especially after the pandemic, but you also still now have this, this um, tool that you've learned through the pandemic that can now be used to also support our, our youth um, base, because we know, especially after the pandemic, mm-hmm. kids really lost probably a year and a half of school. Um, and we need to make up for that gap. And, and what we need to do is be uh, diligent with academics, even in the summer. Yes, the kids want to have fun. But you can make education fun. And that's what we've done this summer. So I'm really happy about the way we've, we've, we've uh, pushed through. Yeah, I was going to ask how the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the center. And then what did you have to do to overcome those challenges? So, you know, the, the Ron Carter Center is uh, really... It's a tremendous place, and it was named after Officer Gerard Carter, who was killed in the line of duty. So the Carter Center really is almost like a beacon. It's almost like a it's a it's a hub. It's an educational hub. It's a it's a it's it's the hub of Stapleton. It's a hub of that community. Knowing that no matter what happens, you're going to be able to get support, and none more than when the pandemic hit. The Carter Center was only closed for one week. 
our focus also began to talk about like how we can make sure that uh, our communities have PPE, right. how our community could have uh, make make sure that we also um, in our center we became a a, a food pantry because the, the community needed to be able to eat um, and, and during the pandemic, you know, if there was food shortages. Right. Um, so we became a wraparound um, a resource for the whole entire community, but we became a, a, the center that they knew no matter what, we weren't gonna close. And then what happened with our young people, we had to continuously engage them. So we completely went to remote uh, at the start of the pandemic for our youth. But our my staff had to actually come in because being that we had to come um, be remote for the students, students still had to come to the to the, to the Carter Center to get food. Mm-hmm. So the Carter Center now begins to fill that gap. I love that you tied that to the foundation of the Carter Center, its namesake, like triumph out of tragedy, right? Like that is built into your DNA. It's funny you say that because the pandemic hit and... Our, our, our leadership, uh, Orit, who's been tremendous during the pandemic. I mean, can you imagine becoming the head, the helm during, she had to transition into the CEO during the pandemic. Anybody who can do that and be able to maintain the organization and actually grow the organization and support all the, the different components of the organization, that's kudos to her, right? And it's kudos to the leadership team but it, it shows the resilience of the entire organization. And let me show you this. So we were getting ready for Gerard's 50th birthday. You know, Officer Gerard's 50th birthday. We were going the president, was planning a big celebration, right? And unfortunately, COVID hit. So we were really disappointed and we wanted to like highlight this man, Gerard, who are building his name after, rightfully so, we wanted to we wanted to honor this man. Gerard was community policing before the term even came. If you know people who are in that community, they will let you know he was really a community officer, right? And a lot of the models come from how this man actually interacted with the public. So rightfully so, that's why they named it after him. So we wanted to honor him, and this was right during COVID. Um, um, in the beginning, and nobody knew what we were going to do, how we were going to celebrate him. And this, to me, is the mark of why I love the Gerard Carter Center, why I love the staff at the Gerard Carter Center, JCC, because right when that happened, we teamed up and we said, no, we're going to make it happen. We're, gonna, we're still going to we're still gonna honor Gerard. And we actually turned Gerard's celebration into a real one that actually happened remotely online before people even know, knew how to really use Zoom. We had a DJ. We had uh, people come and talk about him um, and, 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 and give their, share their stories and their, their, their testimonies about him while we actually uh, got to talk to his wife, his mom, some of his former players, just people who love Gerard, officers. Um, we, we, we danced, we danced, <laughs> right? This was right in the beginning of the pandemic. People didn't even know like how to use Zoom. And that to me was the mark of, the beginning of us pushing through the pandemic, knowing that, you know what, it's going to be okay. Roughly how many um, people in the community are served by the Gerard Carter Center? It, it's a lot of people. Um, it, it's really, a, I just think about during COVID, we would, we would uh, have the pantries, like maybe every other Saturday, we would, we would partner. And that, that was another great thing that the Carter Center does. 
we partner up. We're all about collective impact. We know what that really means. In yeah. order to service this community, you can't do it. Even though we are the hub, and even though we we do service people, the great thing about being a hub is if we can't don't have that capacity, we know someone who does. We know our agency who does, and we're tied in. So it's like our own tentacle, mm-hmm. right? And that's what the J does such a great job of. Um, and we'll be and so whether we're eight directly servicing you or partners that gonna service you, you 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 first came to the Carter Center to get that info. Um, I think of one tournament that goes on at the Carter Center called Showdown in the Town in, on, in, in the summer, where you have people from Harlem, Tynesville. Mm-hmm. You, you really do. Actually, I have the Tynesville right now, this summer, have the Tynesville High School wrestling team using our gym. Mm-hmm. So it's a really um, amazing space. Um, but like I said, thousands of people get supported and serviced here. We, you know, we're, we're, we have a lot of programming set up, but I think people are just like still trying to figure out how to stay safe in this pandemic, right? So we still hear a lot of mis, you know, different information. And so that that's, you know, and that's another thing with the Gerard Carter Center. We're really great advocates of um, supporting the community through advocacy. So a lot of the word work, it may not be just what we can tangibly do. A lot of it may be through advocacy um, and advocating and educating. Hey, you guys, you know, we're about to have the Moderna shot here or the, the community scared. So you know what we had to do? We had to partner up with the senior center, which the J, JCC also facilitates and work together and bring people out who have taken the vaccine and say, hey, this is why it's important to take the vaccine. So just to be culturally sensitive and, and aware of the, the population that we're serving, servicing. Yeah, I actually framed that question purposefully, roughly, can you estimate how many people? Because I know that there are tentacles, right? And yeah. it just grows exponentially, even yes. when you when you don't realize it. So ultimately, what do you want people to take away from their experience at the Gerard Carter Center? It's a place conducive to learning and growing. It's a place where you really know it's the community. It's community driven, it's, com- it's community spirit, community heart. And community love in there. You know, the Gerard Carter Center is a safe space and a community that's hurt. And one of our broken communities. Yes, Stapleton is a broken community with beautiful people, but it's a broken community. Everything around the Carter Center has so much potential, but without lack of resources, it really hurts that community. So having the, 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 the JCC Gerard Carter Center there, it's the oasis of the Stapleton community. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up today? Uh, I think it's important that we make sure that we're funding agencies like the J and we're supporting organizations like the J that have proven over years and years and years that whatever community they go to, they're going to support it. And and, uh, and then you see that in me. I grew up in um, Park Hill, Stapleton area. Mm-hmm. I live in the Stapleton, St. George area. Um, and now I work in the in this area. That's a testament to understanding what the community needs. Um, it's a testament to the leadership. Um, and we need to make sure that we're supporting these agencies because they're the gap fillers. Mm-hmm. And they're going to continue to do that. I couldn't think of a better way to end. So on that note, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was great talking to you. Now, we are proud to bring you our local Hero of the Month, a segment made possible with support from Tom and Suzanne Crimmins of Tom Crimmins Realty. In this installment, we introduce you to Frank Cafaro, 
a lifelong resident of Rosebank and a true local hero who's making a difference by promoting and supporting youth volunteerism for more than three decades. Since 1971, Rosebank resident Frank Cafaro has been a fixture at St. Peter's Boys High School. The longtime educator has taught religion, history, college readiness, and driver's education over the course of his career. He's also served as the school's athletic director and head of the guidance department. Mostly, he's demonstrated a lifelong passion for cultivating lasting relationships with his students and instilling in them a commitment to community service. Our students who serve while they're in school continue to serve the community once they graduate. I see them as adults in their 30s and 40s working in homeless shelters, project hospitality, so it gives you a sense of accomplishment. In 2018, Cafaro was bestowed the highest honor by Christian Brothers General Counsel in Rome. He was unanimously approved for affiliation for his exemplary role in the field of education and for manifesting the ideals and spirit of St. John Baptiste de La Salle. At the time of the announcement, the Staten Island Borough President presented Cafaro with a proclamation recognizing this rare and prestigious accomplishment by declaring November 5th, Frank Cafaro Day. I was appreciative of the brothers. I've worked very hard all these years, but no way did I ever think that I would be affiliated. With more than three decades working as an educator, Cafaro has seen thousands of students pass through the halls of St. Peter's and despite challenges, is still passionate about the job and molding future leaders of our communities. That's why Frank Cafaro is our local hero of the month. There's no more rewarding career than teaching in a classroom with students who look up to you and who learn from you and become better people. And finally, in case you missed it, in our last edition of On SI, we spoke with Christine Garlisi of the Nicotra Group and the Lois and Richard Nicotra Foundation to chat about their new rooftop farm high above the island's western shore. Um, so to stand up there and see the four bridges and see Manhattan, you really get the expanse of Staten Island. And then you look down and there's garlic growing and wildflowers in another area. So it's really, it's innovative. There's nothing like it on Staten Island. And Lois and Richard Nakocha dreamed a big dream and it's starting to really take root. No pun intended. That'll do it for this edition of On SI. A thank you to Ronti Angulea, Frank Cafaro, and Tom and Suzanne Crimmins. Please check out our website at onsi.nyc and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We feature stories that matter to locals. If you have one you'd like to share, email it to us at stories at onsi.nyc. Until next time, be well.